Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness podcast. We've got a lot to talk about on this episode. Uh, but first, uh, I want to tell you guys about Wheelhouse Bicycle Shop in Creep Core. Go see Nathan Leventhal first at 770 North New Ballast Road in Creepcore or online at wheelhousebicycle.com. That's whether you're looking for a super specialized road bike or your kid's first bike. Doesn't matter. He can help you out and get you uh, get you squared away. Um, Pete, uh, you know what? I'm throwing out the notes. I'm throwing out the notes. Um. How did we get here, Pete? I don't know what you're talking about because one week ago we recorded Yuri Collins was our point guard. End of story. Today we're recording Yuri Collins is our point guard. I, I as far as I know, nothing happened in the uh, in the Midtown Madness extended universe. The canon, canonically speaking, on our on our podcast, Yuri Collins has never left. No, of course I mean. No. Are you telling me that we spent three hours on Twitter spaces for absolutely no reason? Uh, it seems like it, but not just us. A lot of other people. <laughs> that is by far the most listened to, streamed, whatever thing that we've ever done. I mean, <laughs> and we had no preparation, no notes. We had never done it before. It was just the heat of the moment. I, I don't know what happened, man. I thought my first live stream was going to be me eating a a spicy pepperoni pizza. And yet, I, I mean, like, so let's, let's go ahead and, and run down. Well, we'll get into it. We're going to get into it, guys. But first, we have, uh, we're continuing our recruiting series, Pete. We are. Um, we got really good feedback on those first two with uh, with Nick Kramer and then Sincere Parker. So we're going to round out the uh, the fall signing class with Kellen Thames today. And I, I think everybody's really going to like this uh, this conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to him. Uh, I, it's interesting because in, in the lead up, I was expecting to talk to him about growing up in the Pattonville School District. Turns out he actually grew up in the Hazelwood School District, which I also I've lived now in I think both of those school districts. So uh, I I grew up in the Hazelwood School District. So I'm excited to chat with him. Uh, and you know I was excited before the news today, but I'm kind of interested to hear when he found out. Yeah, yeah, same. I uh, there was a question. I, I was like, I don't think we can talk to him and not address the uh the 800 pound gorilla in the room so to speak of, of either of subjects. way yeah and um so you know when when we were first writing out the notes it was kind of like uh <laughs> how you how you holding up how's everything going you know like it's it's really hard to ask that question and now it's almost the same question just with a completely different uh tone of around everything not nothing makes sense anymore um yeah, I, I think we'll just kick it over to this interview right now. Well, let's do that, Pete. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. 
This week, as Peter mentioned earlier, we're talking to Kellen Thames of Pattonville High School, uh, where he recently wrapped up his senior season, leading the Pirates to a 17-11 and record and averaging about 22 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals per game. He was named the All-Metro First Team. Uh, he was Player of the Year for the Suburban North Red Division, Player of the Year in Missouri's Class 6, District 3, and he became Pattonville's all-time leading scorer, breaking a record that stood for 45 years. Kellen, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I'm curious. You attended Pattonville High School, which is in my neck of the woods and across the street from probably my favorite pizza place in St. Louis, Sarah's Pizza. I'm curious, have you got have you gotten a chance to, to you know, pick out a favorite over there is that something you guys do like on a friday night my favorite which sadly got taken down was my freshman sophomore year i used to go before every game was pyology pizza oh right by those area where the movie theaters are and stuff like that i used to go to every game i always get the same thing pepperoni sausage pizza made my own and sadly it got taken down so i recently probably just get Chick-fil-A since it's just, it was like refilled, so. Oh, my God, man. You got to head over to Sarah's, man, for a little dinner. You got to try that place out. It's it, you, you won't be disappointed, I swear. Um, we were we were surprised in our research to, to hear that Pattonville's scoring record set by Darrell Washington in 1977 stood for so long, especially with players like Corey Tate and the growers coming through over the years, is that something you had in mind as a long-term goal, or did it really only hit you once you got there? It kind of only hit me once I got there. But it was kind of both because once I understood, like, going into this year that I was, like, only, like, 300 away, I felt like I was going to get it. So it was kind of a goal of mine towards, like, 100 when I knew I was only 100, like, away from it. But... Like throughout high school, I was I was just aiming for wins and just trying to get as many as get many like titles as possible. But once I started seeing how close I was to breaking that monumentous goal, I was just like, well, why not? Yeah, I was I was really surprised that it still stood there. I I, I talked to back in the day, Pattonville's um, Pattonville's coach, you know, a while ago. He said that Brian Grower, when he was at Mizzou, used to come back to Pattonville and shoot around like in the off season and stuff like that. And he had this shot where he would stand at the half court line over on the sideline, like right where they meet. And he would uh, he would shoot from there and bounce it, like bounce it into the basket. So it wasn't like a direct shot, but he would do a one bounce in and he would make like five, ten in a row. And I was like a dude who shoots like that. I just I, I couldn't believe that he didn't have the record. So, I, I man, I give you a lot of credit for that. Thank um, you. Yeah, so. Uh, so, so, you know, there's a lot of D1 prospects these days. It seems like there's a lot of pressure to play at prep schools, you know, the ones that like travel play like national schedules, regional schedules. Plus in St. Louis, you've got a ton of private schools, you know, a lot of Catholic schools and some of those have really become powerhouses. So I'm wondering what, it, what did it mean to you to play for, um, you know, local public school like Pattonville instead of going down one of those paths? I mean, was it a matter of playing for your dad or, or did it have kind of more meaning for you than that? Uh, Granted, I did always want to just get coached by my dad because I knew he was always going to um, give me the best uh, criticism to when, like, what comes to my game, what I always need to work on, no matter if I do have a good game. But 
it was just the high school experience. Like you're not really going to have high school experience when you go to like uh, all Catholic school or boys school and stuff like that. Just having a prom, like a normal prom and like just interacting with like different kids and different students, just getting a mixture of different people. It's just, you won't get that from going to a different type of school. So I just decided to keep it to a public school because I knew I would be able to still show my skills somewhere, no matter where I went. Uh, your senior season was a lot more challenging than junior year, at least on paper. You guys finished 17 and 11, as I mentioned earlier, after going 22 and two the year before. Although you did lose the second, third and fourth leading scorers to graduation after last season. Was it a matter of having a younger supporting cast or, or a tougher schedule or a bunch of different factors? Um, a factor that many doesn't don't really know is that the guys that were seniors, we did have 13 seniors. That was their first year of varsity. So they just were had like, they had the unlucky bow of just having a lot of people that were capable of, capable of doing the same things that they were able to do. They were just older. So they just got their first lick of varsity this year. So just kind of just having that play into like the fact of us trying to mesh well together, playing with each other the first time, stuff like that. But all in all, we started catching on a good run towards the end of the season, but it sadly came to a close. But it was one of those years where, as far as chemistry-wise, it was one of the best years. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit different. I didn't I didn't realize there were that many uh, veteran players. Um, you know, you're coach, so you're coached by your dad, and and you, we got to talk about the legacy a little bit. He was a legendary player at Mizzou. Um, who, who, you know, he showed up in '93 with a ton of hype out of Jennings, puts together this huge freshman season, and they were they were awesome that year. And then he tears his ACL right before his sophomore year. Still manages to have a great career there after missing, you know, a year to rehab. Not and then, you know, not to mention a successful pro career overseas. So as someone who's kind of been through those highs and lows and still managed to be successful, you know, despite Mizzou fans still wondering, like, what if he had never been hurt? How, how has that kind of really unique experience and perspective that he has shaped how you kind of pursue uh, your goals and what you're trying to do? Well, he told me that nothing's like guaranteed, like you're always going to have to go out and get it because you don't know what might happen the next game. Could be your last. So just every game, go out there and play hard, give it your all. And just, um, just don't keep the fact that, like, you know, our, our, our last name does have a legacy behind it, but still find a way to make your own path. And that's what he's always giving me, like, making me a whole different player, like always being the taller kid growing up, but still making me a guard, just finding different ways to separate myself from his legacy. And that's what was able to make me establish myself as a player. But you, you grew a lot, too, though. I mean, you mentioned being a taller kid. Uh, at the same time, it's, it was never like always like, oh, he's going to be a, a power forward or something like that, right? Uh, No. I, my, my growth spurt was different from his. I kind of got that strike during COVID, during that COVID area. Yeah. But yeah. I, it's kind of in that, like, because of where the position I played, I was still in that taller boat of, like, of, of people. But mine was more like separated like i'll grow two to three inches here or like two to three there but like during covid i grew like four to five out of nowhere so um you're you know your dad's or your dad's career overlapped with that of billiken assistant or Pattonville legend and Pattonville legend Corey tate uh for a few seasons uh 
your your dad and Coach Tate uh, go back and forth on uh, who is the better player? And what side of that argument are you on? <laughs> I had to go with my pops on that one, but I'm pretty sure he would agree. I mean, granted that, like, they came in and they probably had a lot of one-on-ones together, but I'm pretty sure my dad came up on top. And they do have a lot of stories of stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure he would agree with me on that, but I'm going with my dad on that. I think that's probably the right call. Uh, don't don't listen to Tate if he ever tries to tell you otherwise. You know, I, I found some doing doing research for this, and I, I kind of recalled over time. Um, you know, we've seen articles and posts where Coach Tate refers to you as his nephew. Um, so you know, it's clear that you guys have always been close. Um, but how has that relationship evolved ever since he was hired at SLU and and you became a a, a prospect? Well, just growing up, he's always been a mentor. Uh, he's always giving me tools and just little nitpicks of what I need to work on. Just always throwing his two cents in. And now that, now that I'm going into slew, now he knows that I can like work with him, work out with him. And I just have more access to just his knowledge of the game. Um, besides obviously your relationship with Corey Tate, uh, what is it about St. Louis university that really enticed you to, to stay home and, and, and represent the city? Uh, it was the culture. The coaching staff felt like family. The players felt like family. It's just like an easy environment to come, come into. And also just having my family close to be able to come to my games and just not being too far from home, not having to worry about being homesick and stuff like that. Just feeling at home, playing a game that I love is what really made all this. Were you, uh, did you ever like, you know, pick the, the obviously you probably picked the St. Louis guys on, on the team's brain as far as staying home, but especially Terrence Hargrove. It was very widely publicized that a lot of the reason he stayed home was so his parents could come watch him play. Did you and him ever ever talk about that and, and whether, you know, how he feel, feels about it? We never really had a conversation about, like, stuff like that, but he, uh, as far as just, like, I've, I've heard his story and stuff like that, and that, that was a big part of why I thought about keeping my family close so they can just experience what I, I want them to experience. You know, we had Nick Kramer on the show a couple weeks ago, and uh, at, we talked to him at the time, uh, watched a lot of the games you guys played with Brad Beal Elite last summer, um, and saw you guys really do have a good on-court chemistry, and then he talked about your relationship uh, um you know, off the court, traveling and all that kind of stuff. What's that relationship like from your perspective? And I think he committed first. So uh, what kind of impact did his commitment have on, on yours? Well, it just made it easier knowing that I have another person that I know and I'm really like, great friends with coming to SLU. So during the summer, we stayed in the room together. We were real good friends, got an even closer connection through that. And then just being on the same floor together, coming in together knowing where his spots are on the court, just hitting them in the same areas that he knows he's going to knock the shots down at and just been in relationships with him through practices and stuff like that. We played against each other a couple of times, even growing up through AAU. So we've always had like connection through there. So just being two St. Louis kids coming from the same area, going to the same college is just being good friends just made it easier for us to gym well together. Uh, I'm curious, uh, about kind of your perspective on social media as a recruit, because quite honestly, you you really keep a low profile when it comes to social media. And 
I'm wondering if that's kind of an uh, an overall strategy or just kind of a reflection of your personality. I mean, on top of that, your dad has been pretty selective about what he says and doesn't say about your your recruitment, especially. Yeah, uh, growing up, I just know the way you carry yourself, you carry yourself off the court translate a lot more in life than what you do on the court. I mean, on the court, you can have two different personas. On the court, you can be a type of ooh, a Russell Westbrook type of guy and stuff like that. Or you could be um, like just a laid back type of guy on the court, but off the court, you can be like a, a outgoing type of person and stuff like that. But I like to do keep a, like a low prof profile on social media. Like I don't really keep myself in the drama and stuff like that or anything. I just watch what I say, watch what I do. Cause I know that can like lead you down into like different scenarios that I probably don't want to be, get myself in. So I just watch what I say and keep myself in check and you know, stuff like that. You have uh, wisdom beyond your years in that regard, <laughs> I gotta say. Um, but you know, because you you and and your your dad and everybody, you kind of kept a low profile during your recruiting process. I didn't see a ton about who else was recruiting you, who else was offering you. I mean, I saw a few, but I'm curious who else besides Slew was kind of in the mix during your recruiting process. Um, I had a a lot of interest, like about four offers. Hey. They, a lot of the A-10 conference, NBC, some Big East. Uh, but overall, like the main one people were talking about was Mizzou because my dad went there. But right. uh, it wasn't really offers because a lot of them were um, still in progress. Like, you know, we had Peach Jam coming up, so I was going to meet them there. But, you know, I committed to school before then because I knew that was the place I wanted to go. I like that. Uh, what aspects of your game, you know, looking, going into your freshman year, what, what aspects of your game are, are, are D1 level right now? Uh, I'm just curious, you know, how you see yourself fitting in immediately. Well, it's my versatility is a huge part. Um, I can play one through four, possibly. I can do a lot of things on the court. I'll say my skills are like, I, I think I can get better in each and every like aspect of the game but I feel like since my dad has always been able to like keep me different from the bunch and always work on different parts of my game no matter how tall I've gotten or how big I've gotten I'm able to like uh just play I can be a three and d guy I can play the two I can play the one I could possibly slide down and guard the four just being versatile on the court just being like a unicorn type of player not not being able to just fit in one area, just sliding in different areas, staying in our court like that, stuff like that is being different. So then on the flip side of that, what are the things you think you need to work on if you're going to make an impact um, at the D1 level? Um, I feel like I'm going to have to uh, work on communicating, just being a more vocal leader. I've always been like a low prof profile type of guy, like you guys have said, like on social media, just being more outgoing on the court, being more spoke spoken, just making sure I'm a more communicative like type of leader instead of just being an example. Well, we, we've established that you, uh, you don't, you know, uh, post a lot on social media, but I'm sure you've read uh, just the uh, insane amount of news that has come out in the last week. Um, man, like, what... <laughs> Uh, what, what, what have you been like, you know, 
have you have has the coaching staff been in contact with you? I mean, I got to imagine everything was kind of thrown into a, a an absolute whirlwind for everybody involved. Uh, yeah, but I'm just glad everything's kind of just back to where it needs to be. You know, uh, when that happened, nothing was really said because everybody was kind of shocked. I was shocked. I didn't know that was gonna. Happen. I'm just glad my guy's back, and you know I get to learn from somebody that has experienced a lot. You know, not to start any, you know, I, I, we're not trying to start any controversy, but when you saw that, were you like, all right, my turn? <laughs> were uh, you like, all right, well, I do fancy myself as a bit of a point guard. Were you like, I can handle it? Uh, <laughs> I get it. I get I it, just, man. I just, I just, I just, I just want my, I just know Yuri. I knew Yuri growing up, so I just, I yeah. wanted him to be where he went, and I just, it was like, well, I'm, I'm still. That doesn't change my decision. That's all. Right on, man. Hey, we're not, we're not here to. Like I said, we're not here to get you to, to confess to anything. So no big deal. <laughs> yeah, you should be a pretty good matchup for him in practice too. I mean, a much different uh, size and, like you say, versatility, different look. I also circling back to Kramer. I like the idea of you two, like. You know, you're going to be facing the 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 veterans a lot in practice, right? Like the guys who are all coming back and playing together. I like the idea of you two on the squad against them in practice, given that most times when when the younger players come in, they haven't played together. But you two have played together so much, so uh, maybe you can kind of throw some looks at them they uh, they aren't used to yet. Right. Um, so so what's what's next for you? I mean, you've got uh, graduation in May, and then uh, how long is it going to be before you're down on campus, starting classes, working out, stuff like that? Um, I'm definitely doing summer programs, you know, just to get a head start on things. I like just being ahead in the educational game as well because I do want to major in business. And uh, I'm coming in June for summer workouts and stuff like that. I'm going to be there in June to move in. So it's not too long from now. I should be up there. Well, hey, Kellen, it was it was really good to get to know you, man, and uh, we're really excited to have you as a Billiken. And, and man, like you wearing you're wearing the Billiken hat, you're wearing the Billiken shirt, man. We love to see how excited you, both you and Nick Kramer for that, or uh, yeah, all sincere, three of you, sincere, yeah, sincere yeah, he did too. too. He got he got re, he's all three of you are real pumped to be Billikens, and I think that rubs off on the rest of the fan base, and they see how. Uh, how into it you are. So uh, we can't wait to see you in the fall and, uh, and best of luck with finals and graduation and uh, all that other stuff. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks again. We'll yep. We'll talk soon, man. <laughs> Pete, man, I love these kids. Uh, there, uh, there's absolutely, you know what I did? I have, said the the whole team blue culture like i was very frustrated with it I'm, and maybe this hinges on the news that we got today but uh, you know what these three kids uh they they there's a culture among them that's you know very excited to be billikens uh i knew a lot of college athletes in my day who didn't care about the mascot or you know what what jersey they were wearing they just were looking to to win you know what i mean for the team like for a team or play at their best but these kids seem to be buying into being a billiken 
I love that you pointed out that, uh, you know, he and Sincere and I'd like, they all were wearing slew gear uh, to to talk to us. And uh, that, that immediately just struck me that, that right away, there's that. Um, but I don't sense any like attitude or ego or anything from any of the three guys, the, the, the three who signed in the fall. I mean, they, they, uh, they, they really have bought into the culture. They seem like really good kids uh, that all get along and uh, say the right things and project the right way. They, they really do seem like genuinely nice dudes who mean what they say. And, and I, I love it uh, all in on these three men. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? Let's, we're going to get into the week that was, <laughs> but I think uh uh, you know what? I, in the spirit of keeping our podcast uh, as PG thirteen as possible, I think I'll uh, I'll pass on the use to uh, use of expletives. But screw Rocky Top, man! I've never been a, a, a Tennessee fan. I mean, you know, I'm a SLU fan through and through. I don't really, I don't, I never really had super strong feelings about their program. But uh, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care for them right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you never you you don't look good in orange anyway. No, uh, not my color. Uh, let's run down the timeline. Okay, Monday, Pete. What happens? So Yuri Collins, slew point guard, announces on Monday that he'd ent- and this this is after, mind you, he'd already said he'd gone through the N- NBA draft evaluation process. Now he says he's going to enter the transfer portal, shocking our fan base. Um, you know, especially and- after we thought we wrapped a bow on it Friday. That's right. I mean, because we, or Sunday, sorry, we thought, okay, so, so there had kind of been these rumors like, Hey, Yuri is t- in Tennessee, Yuri in Tennessee. And we're like, well, he's not in the portal. He said he'd go through the draft process. Is there some smoke here? And then he rolls out his, um, you know, unknown YC product line, which we mentioned on last week's show. And we're thinking like, all right. Yeah. He's, you know, a guy who's leaving doesn't do that. He's solid. And then the next day he says he's going to the transfer portal and it's just, that, that it, even though we had kind of heard these these rumblings, it was shocking. Now it wasn't until Wednesday that his name actually shows up in the portal, and um, within 24 hours on Thursday, we're hearing rumors that he's lining up campus visits, um, and some of the kind of the, the the feeling we're getting, the vibes we're getting, seem to be kind of negative. Uh, you know, between him and the program, I you know we got to yeah, go rumors. back to the spaces that we did because. Yeah, I was I was gonna circle back after doing the official timeline. Yeah, sure. Because, because we'll, it, we'll, we'll it, do. it does end today as we record Sunday with him staying at SLU. Right. But yeah, mo- Monday after he announces this, I'm in a headspace where I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna get any more work done today because I'm like, what is going on? I think you were in the same place. Well, let's so let's, we open up. Let's Twitter let's spaces. remain let's remain plausibly deniable for what <laughs> happened between the hours of. Uh, okay. At, yes, at exactly 6 p.m. Eastern, <laughs> five, 5 o'clock Central, we decided to open up Twitter spaces. Yes. And uh, we had a huge I, I just talked. Like, I literally started out fumbling how to start the space. I And I'm literally drawing on about nothing, like waiting for Peter to join waiting for Peter to join. I think um, I was trying to sign in from the same account on a different uh yes. device and it wasn't letting me and so yeah so the first five minutes were technical problems yes. we clearly had never done it before we had no notes we had nothing prepared uh and just went 
Yeah, I think I think the more interesting thing is I learned how to be like a drive time call in radio host <laughs> on the show. I, uh, I I was trying to do like Mike Lowry and Bad Boys too. Yo, you hot? Like, like I was, it was it was so weird, man. But it was I, I think the highlight, but but by far the highlight of the entire Twitter space was the guy crying at the end. Yeah, who uh, uh, you know, I I did I I meant to go back and look at his uh, profile, and somebody else did, and it seemed like he was a troll. I mean, like, wow, like, that's still hilarious. That for a, for a he second, did say baseball. Like, he did say baseball too when he. Entered. I thought he was just. I was, and I didn't know how to handle it. And I guess you had like gone on mute or something at the time. So I was, I was laughing like, so hard. All right, well, I think that's as good a place to wrap it up as any. And I was like, okay, so I was either really insensitive to someone who may have been like his uncle and really was emotional about this, or, um, or I just, you know, was too nice to a troll. So either way, uh, yeah. it was a very odd way to finish. But we had, I mean, we had a lot of action uh, in the meantime on that that thing. Yeah, I was riding a fine line with who I wanted to uh, bring in. I was like, again, this is all flying by the seat of the pants. So I really tried to limit it to people that had interacted with our account before. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, you know, we had uh, that Ray guy. I don't remember what his full deal was. And then I think he knew Yuri. And then of course we had Tyler Coleman on. Mm -hmm. uh, and, by the way, I, I, I'll just leave that. <laughs> I don't know if I, I mean, like Tyler Coleman, you know, going out and basically telling slew fans that, you know, you got to pay or whatever. And then getting dunked on by Larry Hughes. I, I just, I, I have, I have trouble getting on fans for not actively pursuing NILs. Uh, it, it just, it seems like telling somebody else how to spend their money. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, look, this is all, it's new territory to all of us. And Absolutely. Tyler did, did to his credit, have positive things to say about SLU today, but it, I mean, he wasn't the only one. There were plenty of local, uh, you know, St. Louis area people who are wired in, whatever you want to call it, whether it was uh coach, I think coach Reed chimed in a little bit and we had Marcus Wilson, who's a former SLU assistant, who's, um, you know, he's still involved with the game and he's uh john bull the uh the the prospect out at cbc i think he's his legal guardian um because bull's from from sudan and uh or south sudan and um you know he he more or less kind of kind of was saying the same thing i mean there, so there were a lot of people kind of taking that side like hey if, Slu, if slew's gonna play the game they gotta play the game and so i i get that perspective i i don't I also get why we don't necessarily have to like this. Yes. I think, I think bottom line is we're all really getting used to this. This is happening so fast and, uh, and we're getting used to how this is, this is going to happen. I mean, this is certainly new territory for slew in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Obviously uh, there was a lot of smoke about where he would have gone. Uh, he obviously set up visits uh, not only to Tennessee, which was the main, uh, the main culprit in, what I would consider uh, tampering on a, on a on a grand scale, um, but I mean, do we think those other visits were just kind of like smoke screens? Or I I have no idea at this point because because we were hearing about this on like Thursday, you know, um, 
there here's a, here's at least five other schools we think he's going to visit and you know we had heard names of other schools who may have reached out to him before he was in the portal and like there were there are just so many uh, so many rumors and reports and things um I, I don't know. I don't know what was real and what wasn't. Um, there, there was accusations that uh, this would be bad for schools involved, not named St. Louis University. Yeah, that came up in our in our spaces a little bit um, when we were on on Twitter Spaces um, that it was it was not going to be good for schools who who were accused of that. And people have brought up the point, like, hey, maybe maybe Tennessee really was the one. Maybe Tennessee was the one leading, uh, and then when there these rumors went on for so long before he actually entered the portal uh that if he winds up going there it doesn't look great for them and it looks horrible yeah and that seems like maybe something that you could even take action on if you're another school um because everybody wants to accuse everybody of tampering if if, if a player you like leaves it goes somewhere you don't want to go right but uh, but when you have weeks worth of smoke building before a guy's actually in the portal, um, that that seems like an actual problem. Yeah. So, I mean, is it it's entirely possible then that the fan base absolutely screwed this up? They've, they very well may have. Uh, I like, mean, you know, the wrong person got a hold of the, the rumor and, uh, you know, put it out there all over Twitter, message boards, whatever the fan base runs with it. And uh, and basically makes sure that it can't happen because if it does, they could get um, slapped on the wrist. You know, who knows? Yeah, I can, I mean, let's let's just run down kind of possibilities of how how you know we'll say we're going to operate on these possibilities that Tennessee backed out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we'll operate that first assumption is that uh, they were that Tennessee the coaching staff. The alumni were all involved in this, right, from mm-hmm. the beginning. And Tennessee coaching staff backed out because of the pressure of tampering. Conversely, it could have been that Tennessee coaching staff may not have known. Like, it could have been like a back-channel deal with a, with a, uh, a booster and, and, a, and an assistant coach. Maybe Rick Barnes doesn't know. Maybe Rick Barnes only finds out later. I mean, I, I I forget how, like, all of these guys that are at the top of their professions really don't, like, pay attention to anything extraneous. They really do have a one-track mind, and that's how they're so good at what they do. And I imagine that it's, it's entirely possible that a Nevin Shapiro-like situation where a guy just went rogue and then uh, Tennessee thought – like Rick Barnes, like oh, now he's in the portal. Like let's go after him, or so one of his assistants tells him. You know, it's that's an interesting aspect too. That he finds out that wait a minute, this had already happened. Like we can't be doing this. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot more to what it, you know the rumors that it was it was Tennessee that maybe they got in their own way, things like that. There was a number being thrown around for an NIL deal that had been arranged um uh you know in terms of like how much he might be getting in 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 nil money to go there and i never saw that substantiated at all um so i i don't know if there was and how much it would have been or anything like that i mean because the initial thing is yuri said he was going to go through the nba draft evaluation process and 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 
it, it I, I guess it would stand to reason that he got feedback that you need to play another season on a bigger stage um, than, than, than slew. And, um, you know, so, so if that, if that's what prompts him to kind of go to the portal and start looking bigger, that's, that's one thing. Um, but if it's driven by NIL money, I mean, I just, I don't know. I never really saw that substantiated in, in a, in a way that was, um, I don't know, not, not that it ever would have been, but then when you see things like that Nigel pack deal, from K-State to Miami, where they just, you know, whoever's handling this, I'd never heard of the company or whatever. They just basically say two years, 800 grand plus a car. And they're they're tweeting that out like they've just secured a deal for a client. So, and I, I, I mean, think that's the first time any of us have ever seen anything like that in college sports. Uh, yeah, I, in, I mean, paging Nevin Shapiro, right. um, the you that is. Um, yeah, they pioneered it, man. Dude, that's bizarre because it reminds me of so much of the Pony Excess documentary. And <laughs> that, like, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Herschel Walker is just rolling around in a brand new Firebird or whatever. Uh, it's crazy, man. Like, this is yeah. nuts. It's, uh, I'm all for, you know, getting these guys theirs, but, like, there's got to be something. And this could be a landmark case, honestly. Of, of, you know, th this one way or the other, it, whether Yuri Collins would have decided to stay at SLU or left and went to Tennessee or where, like, let's say he did, he did decide to go to Tennessee. This, I mean, if I'm Chris May and Travis Ward, I'm putting a, a full court press in the media. Like, yeah. not necessarily at Yuri, but... And not necessarily at the idea of NIL, but at the idea that, um, hey, there was a, a shit ton of smoke on message boards and rumors and Yuri about Yuri getting an NIL deal and then mm -hmm. going to, and then he actually goes to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 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 having a shit fit. Yeah. And then and, and at the same time, there could also be the kind of. But, uh, you know, it's 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 uncharted territory for us in terms of, you know, now he's maybe got leverage to stay like and, and, and maybe maybe we throw something together as as slew to get him to stay. I have we don't know yet. I mean, like this is all pretty brand new. Uh, well, Frank Cusimano did just tweet out. I, I'm just seeing this. Uh, Travis Ford was driving when he got the news that Yuri was entering the portal and said he almost drove off the road. Today, he got the news in his office that Yuri was coming back and there was a celebration. More tonight on Sports Plus at 1030. Uh, you know, by the time anyone hears this, Sports Plus will have already aired. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure that's already making the rounds in, in Billiken land. That tweet annoys me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um well yeah well it sounds like travis is going to talk to frank about all this i mean yeah I he's know. not talking to us what the hell man <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to get our people on this um but no i mean so it sounds like he is going to talk about it you know there, there is there's still a lot we don't know like like we're saying like this is all very rapidly developing and uh you know um, I, I would major me a couple on my part because I was certain he was gone by Thursday, based on the things that we were hearing, you know, cause like, be, look, we're not, we're not Frank, we're not Stu, we're not like the, the, the proper media or whatever, but you know, like Pete, 
people talk to us like we we things come across our our eyes you know like people like to send us what they think or what they're hearing or anything so we do we do hear a lot of different things and it, it just by by thursday it just seemed so done to me that he was gone i i was a hundred percent certain that he was gone you know the i always said the longer this drags out the more likely it is that he would return i've i and i you know i and mm. by more than likely or more likely i literally mean like 40 percent that's that's where like that's way above where i was yeah no but i mean i think i texted you i said never I, you know what like it seems bleak and this was after me like i spent an entire freaking week rationalizing like exactly what i wanted to say on this podcast about the billikens going forward i mean i i was just about to say you know the longer this thing goes the more likely i think it is that he, he there's a chance he could change his mind uh, i was gonna say that we're only two solid point guards away from still being the same team uh which actually i think is true um because of all of our scoring weapons um I, you know what I, I, I had, I, I was fine. Like I was kind of content and, and this really brought me, uh, I, I had a rough couple of days that Tuesday <laughs> man, was not a good day for me. It's just been a wild ride all week. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just, um, I'm, well, I'm glad we are where we are. You know, yes. I, joked, I joked in the beginning of this, Yuri Collins was our point guard when we recorded last week. He's our point guard again. And as far as I'm concerned, nothing happened <laughs> in the middle. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad to be back here. I'm so glad to be wrong. I admit I was completely wrong on, on, on the read on this one, just trying to piece together everything I had. And, you know, um, we should be really, really good this season. We just need a couple of bigs. I wouldn't mind a nice uh, combo guard coming in, you know, and uh, we're in great shape, got great depth and, uh, and so many scoring weapons with Yuri back. It just kind of, you know, now you just go, okay, we need, we need some help for Francis uh, down in the front court um, and, and, and we'll, we'll be good to go. Um, the, you know, I, I love that attitude. Uh, that you brought at the beginning in the joke, but uh, it, it's clear that things did happen and, and fans are going to feel a certain type of way. And I mean, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll tell you what I feel personally, but how, how should fans react? And uh, how do you think they will react? You know, say Chaffetz arena on, uh, uh, you know, oct late October, early November. Yeah, so this has been what, like uh, seven or eight hours now since the uh, since the news that he was returning um, uh, dropped. Um, what I'm seeing initially, and I have not, you know, I've been doing stuff with with my kids, my family all weekend, so I haven't been on on Twitter or the message boards for anything much. But what I did kind of gather in the half hour leading up to when we recorded, it seems pretty positive so far. Like I, I don't think it doesn't seem like anybody's harboring any ill will here. Um, at least, at least in the initial. And I do sort of wonder like over the next few days and week, as people kind of think through it, um, how they feel about him, you know, because you do want to have 
everybody loved Yuri Collins, you know, like the guy yeah. who's, who's local three years, led the nation in assists. He's just, he's a special player. You know, he's small. He's got that chip on his shoulder. He just kind of felt right at, uh, at, at SLU and, and with this fan base and everything. Um, uh, yeah, just like a tough guy who, who's kind of soft-spoken, but uh, at the same time, a, a leader. And um, you, you want to keep those positive vibes going, but this is always kind of there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's always, I, I do wonder as time goes on, if people kind of scratch their heads and go, what was that all about, you know? Um, I, I don't know if, if your read has kind of been the same so far or not. And, and I, I don't, I have more trouble saying how fans should feel. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. going to feel their own kind of way. Um, I'm still processing for one. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that he's back to have him back. Um, I just, you know, I just hope that everybody's all, all, all right. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think the Billiken fans should be happy that he's back. I think, uh, nobody should fault Billiken fans for being upset about the unknown apparel line drop right before. Mm. Uh, I think absolutely Billiken fans who bought merchandise have every right to be upset about that, uh, for sure. I think that um, I don't – I just think that, you know, at the end of the day it – it, it only hurts to, to sow the seeds of discontent, I think, as we've seen, as we've seen clearly, or, I mean, not clearly, but potentially speaking, we've seen Tennessee fans fuck up uh, uh, a deal with Yuri Collins. I mean, by their activity on, on the message boards and social media. And uh, if that's the case, I think Billiken fans could take a hard lesson and, and maybe just kind of keep it positive. Welcome back, Yuri. And uh, you know, look, we've all we were all this age once. I mean, tw- twenty one is is an adult in the eyes of the law. Uh, mentally speaking, I, I've when I was twenty one, I definitely wasn't eighteen. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, man, and, and just move on. I think, uh, and I think I would encourage Billikens to Billiken fans to do the same. You, you actually, you, you really did touch on a point there that I think is so important because sometimes when things don't go your way as a fan, you, people lash out so quickly, um, and sort of lose perspective. Like, like in recruiting battles, somebody picks another school over yours or, um, you know, and, and you kind of forget like, oh, this, this guy might be 17, 18, 19 years old. And not only that, um, and Ford Stewart said this all the time, never stop recruiting. Mm-hmm. You're not just recruiting uh, high school and prep players and JUCO players to come into your school. You're recruiting the transfer portal. Now you're recruiting your own roster now <laughs> as, as we're seeing. Um, so like, if a fan base jumps all over a guy and is, is throwing all this negativity at him, he's not going to want to come back or no. he's not going to want to come there. Or like, he's going to remember, Hey, those fans were pretty gracious or I didn't really hear grief from them when I didn't choose their school last time they recruited. Uh, now I'm transferring and I have positive feelings about that place. It might be a good destination for me right now, which isn't to say, 
fans being nice to somebody online is what's going to seal the deal. But like, just don't put negativity out there. A lot of people were, were, were pretty upset at Yuri this week. And, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, he didn't, he yeah. didn't handle it with the most, uh, the most delicate of uh yeah but but i still don't think it's a reason to to be lashing out at people online so no that, that's really no all it is now me. now 100 percent. if you know uh if you want to say that you if you wanted to cancel your unknown order hell yeah that's fair yeah yeah, although now they're kind of like, yeah, never mind. Actually, did, uh, maybe I want that back after all. <laughs> yeah, this is I, I again. I treat everything like uh, like the from the lesson I learned from Coney twenty twelve. I just I wait about a week. It, it, I mean, I, I think Twitter is like the ultimate snapshot of that over and over. Like a breaking news story you know nothing about. And everybody's jumping in and like almost everybody's wrong within minutes, let alone hours or days. So like, yeah, let a thing happen, get your information yeah. together, form your opinion over time. But I am curious, like, okay, we're talking about how fans react. What do you think about the players? Uh, how, how are they going to feel about this, 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 this week, this sort of dalliance with the transfer portal, his return, um, you know, I, anything we've heard in the meantime is rumors and hearsay, but, but what do you, what do you think this does? I think that division one athletes are hyper competitive uh, at a point where they will, uh, they will more quickly forgive uh, if, if they can win. Um, mm. And I think, I think it, at this point, I would imagine that uh, most of this team probably spent the good part of the last four days trying to re-recruit Yuri back. Hmm. Um, I, I, I doubt they had any sort of uh, goal other than to get him back on his roster. Uh, I think everybody will. I mean, we've seen – Gibson Jimerson tweet out, that's my point guard. Um, Terrence Hargrove might have retweeted it with a positive message. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're competitive and easy to forget if they have a chance to win. Um, now I you know I, I think a meeting should, I, if I'm coach, I'm, I'm holding the meeting man like yeah I think it'll be interesting to see if. If we're talking about an NIL deal where Yuri got the bag, uh, I, I think that's an interesting uh, uh, perspective. I think that uh, what so nobody else gets the bag? Like I don't know. Does that affect things? Would that, but I think teams across the nation are, are gonna be dealing with that. It's, it's a weird incentive now, right? I mean, like yeah. I said, it's the first time we've seen something like this happen. And, and if you're looking around the room and you go, well, well, wait a minute, do I just need to put my name in the transfer portal with no intention of leaving? And then uh, I get a little retention bonus to stay here. I mean, there's, there's a lot of implications with this. I think, like you say, a team meeting is absolutely necessary. And I'm sure they're way ahead of us on that thing, yeah. uh, on that, on that front. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily like the, uh, the, the sort of uh, economic incentives here. It's just like, it just kind of feels like if a player wants his value to be 
realized he needs to make himself marketable. And that means going into the transfer portal or declaring for the draft, even if you've got no intention of going anywhere. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it's this a all bar- plays it's out. A, it's a bargaining chip. Like, it's right. crazy. Yeah, it's, it's almost I, like they, they just need to, you know, I don't know. It's almost like a, well, I, I don't know. I think we'll, and we'll get into this with the NIL yeah. discussion coming up, but um, there's, there's some wide ranging implications here. Yeah. I, well, you got to remind me to get, I think, did I talk about transfer uh, as far as the sitting out transfer? Did I talk about that while we were recording? Or did no, I talk? Oh, okay. I don't think so. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that then when we, we get into the portaling NIL discussion. Um, Billikens had a visit, uh, by a player that's in the portal. We did not contact him prior to entering the portal. As far as I've been told, um, Andrew Carr, Pete, tell us what the Billiken fans need to know about this kid. Andrew Carr, um, just wrapped up his sophomore year at Delaware, um, at where he actually led them through the, um, um, Colonial, I think they're in the Colonial uh, Conference Tournament and into the NCAA Tournament. Um, he's a guy who has really worked on his game since entering college. His freshman to sophomore jump in production is pretty significant, and not just in his raw numbers, but in his percentages too. He's really added a perimeter shot to his game to the point where he would rarely take a three his freshman year. But by sophomore year, he was, you know, he's probably shooting um, closer to two a game, almost two a game from downtown. So he's he's a 6'9", 210. He's pretty lean, inside-out kind of game because he's added that dimension. Um, super hardworking guy. When they were closed down for the pandemic, he was he's from the Philly area, and um, uh, one of the international players went and uh, stayed at his house with him, and they were driving an hour down to Delaware's campus three or four times a week to work out and work on their game. He still needs to add to his frame, I think, a little bit. Um, but he really gives us that kind of stretch big that we've been really wanting for the past few years. Um, gives you a totally different look. I think he can probably guard a three as well. He's a pretty pretty mobile guy. He moves really well, really skilled. He can, he can you know, block shots. He's got nice touch around the basket. He really was an at-the-basket player in high school. Um, and, and has really just developed his game. The way that his arc has gone, the improvement that he's shown, really makes me like the timing of this because I think if he were to wait another year at Delaware and transfer next year, he'd have a bunch more ACC and um, Big East and other big conference programs looking at him, which isn't to say that he doesn't already. I mean, I think Virginia Tech is in the mix. They've got a couple of forwards who have declared for the draft and may or may not come back. He canceled his visit to Wichita State in order to come to SLU. Uh, makes me think that they might not really be in the mix. Uh, at, at points, VCU and Davidson were also said to be, be in there. But um, it really seems like Virginia Tech, as of today, is the main competition. But we'll see if he kind of stretches this out and looks at other schools. But I really like the fit on paper here. Yeah, it's perfect. And I mean, he's being from him being from Pittsburgh or not Pittsburgh, Philly. Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's right there in that the A-10 is the perfect, uh, you know. Uh, I think Wichita State was probably the level that he was wanting to go. Like, he picked slew over Wichita State probably because Wichita State plays in the AAC and the Billikens play in the A-10. 
So, I mean, that's why he's looking at Virginia Tech and, and SLU, I think. We play a lot of road games that his parents would be able to drive to. Um, so, yeah, even though we're not necessarily centered in those um, markets, we're there all the time. And, um, and, and it's one way to, to make sure you see your family a bunch throughout the year. Uh, yeah, so I, I definitely like our chances on this one. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about it, too. Um, you know, I, like I said, I think Virginia Tech's the main competition right now. Um, uh, but they are waiting on some decisions. I, th- I, th- I do think the guys who are who have declared, I think they're both going to come back. Um, if I'm just sort of reading the the tea leaves, and by that I mean like mock drafts. Um, but uh, but not, nevertheless, he would have to wait. So I think our main competition here, honestly, is time. If he wants to uh, kind of keep looking at other options, uh, that's I think the biggest threat. If he wants to decide right away. It, I think Slew is is by far the best choice. Um, let's talk about a guy who is half portaling or was half portaling, half uh, just reopening his recruitment. Actually, all the way reopening his recruitment. I don't know yeah. why I did that. Um, just to fill time because you know we have a bunch of it. Um, Connor Turnbull made his decision, and and it's interesting because now with the news of today. This decision looks a whole lot different on paper. Yeah, uh, it's it's unfortunate for SLU that Turnbull made his decision the week that we were kind of dealing with the Yuri Collins chaos. But, um, you know, look, Turnbull decided to reopen his recruitment when Butler underwent a head coaching change. New head coach comes in, Thad Mata, retains the assistant coach who was the primary recruiter on Turnbull. As soon as that happened, you kind of had to feel like, oh, nuts. Like, that's, that's a problem because he already knows the – the campus, the culture, most of the roster, um, you know, he's comfortable there. He revisited Butler along with uh, SLU um, and, uh, you know, Mizzou and Iowa were kind of in the mix as well. Um, he wound up canceling his visit to Iowa. So it was clear that it was down to SLU and Butler. I think most people thought, and then Collins said he was leaving and, you know, regardless, I mean, it, it, it was Butler and, um, you know, like he said in his uh, commitment graphic, still feels right, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But, uh, you know, you know, look, we would have loved to have him at SLU. I, I love Turnbull's game. I think he's going to be great. Um, so sorry to see him go. But, hey, you know, transfer portal means it's never over until somebody's eligibility is out. So maybe we'll see him someday. <laughs> um Let's talk about this visit to the Billiken schedule. And it wasn't ideal timing for the for the news to come out, but uh Mail Crispin uh Mail Crispin Glover. No. Um Yeah, his name's just Mail Crispin and uh he's he's <laughs> French and he has a visit scheduled. He's a guy I knew uh we had been showing some interest in back in the fall and then things were pretty rec- quiet throughout the season on his recruitment. Um but he's uh, so he's another guy who's about six nine. He's he's a bigger frame than Carr, who we were just talking about, is about two ten. He's more like two thirty five, a lot more solidly built, and he has a little more established outside game as well, um, which is not atypical for a Euro big man. Um, very comfortable shooting the three, but he's also like you know pretty physically built and um, and and ready to mix it up inside as well. So so another good inside out player. Um, he's supposed to visit on May 2nd and 3rd. And, uh, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, he's also visiting St. Mary's and maybe Oregon state. 
Um, I figured he would have at least three, if not five, six visits while he's over here. I mean, if you're going to travel internationally, you might as well go see every school that's uh, seriously recruiting you. Um, so I don't know where his head's at or where he stands. It's a lot harder to tell on international players. Uh, but I know uh, Coach Giacoletti is the guy who's kind of uh, the lead on all things European recruiting at this point. Uh, let's talk local since we went overseas. Yeah. Uh, new offer out to Michaela Rich. Um, tell us about Michaela Rich because I admittedly don't know much. Yeah, so Rich is Rich is from East St. Louis, um, you know, home of uh, TJ Hargrove, East St. Louis High School. He is um, he's a really unique player. He's a load, man. Just a, ever since he hit high school, um, I've kind of been tracking his recruitment. And I know I know Slew's coaches have too. He because he's just so um, he's got such a big, strong frame. And, and that's been true from the start. Right now he's listed at 6'7, 220, and he plays kind of a three. So he's not hey, that's the size like you know, back in my day, um, that would have been a center in high school and a big, strong center at that. Uh, the fact that a kid like that can play a three and he's, he's so athletic. I mean, he's got a 40 inch vertical. He can really get up on dunks on blocks, rebounds, both ends. Um, but he, but I, I like kind of the, the, the pace and patience that he plays at too. He's not just like a pure, uh, raw bully. I mean, he's, he's got a little finesse to his game. He can kind of handle it. He's comfortable shooting from mid range and the perimeter. I really, really like his potential and I have for a while and I'm surprised more schools haven't been offering him. Um, he does. He really, I think this might actually be his first offer. I'm going to, I'm going to double check that, but, um, he's got a lot of schools who are interested. I, I really like the timing of this offer. He's playing AAU ball with, um, Southwest Illinois Jets this season. So, so Michaela Bridge, keep an eye on him. Really interesting, fun player to watch. Um, and I love his potential in the A-10 and with this team. Um, let's continue on the role of positive news. Uh, Gibson Jimerson and Fred Thatch were uh, given a, an honor recently. Pete, tell us about that. Yeah, these guys were named to the Division I AAA Athletic Directors Association Scholar Athlete Team. So apparently this organization is made up of uh, 98 D1 schools that don't sponsor football. So SLU's in that, and um, it's a 12-player te team, and they're the only set of teammates on it, um, meaning, you know, it's, it's those two and then 10 other guys from different schools. But uh, but uh, yeah, love to see Jimerson and Thatch, who are such great guys, representatives of the schools, school and, and, and players, um, getting accolades like this. It's, uh, it, it just, it means a lot to, to have players kind of making their mark in every way like this. Um, back on uh, Yuri Collins' adjacent uh, kind of news, uh, name, image, and likeness was obviously a hot topic this week uh, among Billiken fans, and and SLU uh, even publicly launched a service or a portal. Portal being an operative word these days. Um, it's called Billiken Exchange. What do we know about this, and what is it designed to do? 
So they say it's a portal that will allow for local businesses, donors, alumni, and other interested entities to connect and engage with SLU student athletes as they pursue name, image, and likeness opportunities. Um, they're launching the service in partnership with uh, INFLCR, which is a leading athlete brand building and NIL business management app um, for athletic organizations. Uh, so they're, they're not just you know doing it by themselves. They're kind of going with a proven uh, uh, you know, company here. Um, it's something that's apparently been in the works for months and, uh, it just happened to be announced, uh, vintage slew style the day after Collins announced his intention to enter the transfer portal. So, um, unfortunate timing of something that has kind of been in the works for a while. It is good to see slew doing this. Um, we've seen a lot of power conference schools doing this. So it's, it made it feel like we're behind the curve, but I think among our, peer schools in the A-10 and, and you know, other non-power, non-football conferences, I think we're in pretty good shape on this front. So I'm just, I'm glad to see something at least there. Yeah, this seems kind of like an Airbnb or like an Uber, you know, kind of matching up a business with a person or a player, I guess, or a student athlete. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, um, because yeah, you're right. I, I think because it's like a peer to peer. Right. right? Because um, supposedly the athletic department is supposed to be hands off. Yeah. The, the athletic department themselves, like they'll stay out of it. And I guess the players will have access to this. Right. So um, if you're a local company and there's a there's a player you like or something you want to do, you can search and initiate a conversation with that player um, to to initiate some kind of deal. And then, uh, you know, the the the. I guess, negotiations and you guys kind of handle it themselves, you know, like the, like the businesses and players will handle them that themselves is, is, is what I understand. And then yeah. uh, the, you know, a direct payment comes out of that. Um, and then the, the service, the INF LCR that they're working with the app has like a, a, what they called a verified compliance ledger. And that's sort of like, you know, once a deal is set, you put it in there and there's like an automated disclosure that they kind of, verify and then everything goes into you know it'll go through a 1099 and uh it's all official and on the up and up um so it's it's really nice to have something like this in place i think um um opens things up for the athletes for sure um let's move on to women's basketball pete and and i think we'll just kind of we're I, I think we're gonna have to end up just grazing over a lot of of stuff in this episode because i believe we're already at you know like an hour and with the interview um but women's basketball the coaching staff has uh has undergone a little bit of well it's undergone a lot of change mm complete it's going to go undergo a complete change pete yeah i mean only the grad student manager haley diesel camp i'm sorry if i said your last name wrong is still listed on the official site along with uh, uh rebecca tillett actually as of a couple of days ago because she made a new um associate head coach hire yeah ryan micheletti uh and she's followed tillett at every coaching stop in college pete which is pretty crazy because Tillett hasn't always been the head coach. So they coached together at Indiana University, Pennsylvania, which is a D2 school. And then they went to, I guess, was it, um, sorry, Nate, was Navy? They went somewhere yeah, before Navy, Navy. Right? Uh, No, I think it was just Navy. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Navy would have been number two. So they were at Navy together. And then I think she stayed at Navy a couple extra years. And then eventually at Longwood, um, coach Tillett pulled her over there and now she's bringing her to SLU as well. So yeah, really interesting path. I guess they, they just really have good chemistry and are on the same page. So, um, you know, if she's talking about building culture. I, I like that there's somebody that she really seems to have a good connection with as her associate head coach. So at least on paper, it makes sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm just very interested to see how this all shakes out with her coaching staff because it's, it, it's weird, you know, uh, she's, and apparently she tweeted out that they got a commitment today. So we'll, we'll see what shakes out with that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, and we'll, as soon as we hear about that, we'll, we'll post that out on uh, Twitter. Uh, uh, Natalie McNeil, uh, uh, committed to green bay pete um oh okay yeah so she transferred out from slu and is now at green bay uh ty margenthaler and i'm assuming his wife because i think both of them were on staff at slu have been hired by south dakota yeah that's the only outgoing coaches that i've um seen any news on um, you know, the way that McNeil, aside from Harbison, was the only transfer that the that we had any news on. And she she clearly stayed in the portal. Um, but it, it seems like the rest of the roster is 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 staying put, um, you know, along with we had talked about three out of the four recruits coming in um, are staying as well. Um, but, yeah, congrats to, to Ty and, uh, and and family for finding a spot. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated as, as things change. Um, moving on to soccer, nothing. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, of you know, Billiken news, but on a grand scheme, NCAA has announced changes to the overtime rules. And I don't know if I'm a fan, Pete. Yeah, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, sometimes some stuff happens at a, a broader level that we kind of skip, but I, I, we, we were so heavily invested in soccer this past season. I think this is pretty impactful for SLU. Um, but anyway, they, so the NCAA changed the overtime rules. Um, regular season games will end in a tie now if the score is tied at 90 minutes. So they're getting rid of those two 10-minute overtime periods, which had a golden goal format. Um, and then they're keeping two 10 minute overtime periods for conference tournaments in the NCAA tournament, but without a golden goal format. So you're just going to play out those, those two periods. Um, when a substitution is made by the team in the lead in the last five minutes, the clock will stop. Um, so you can't just keep subbing to, uh, to run it out. And then games that are still tied after the two overtime periods in conference tournaments in the NCAA tournament will end in a penalty kick shootout. Uh, so, so I don't know, you seem a little negative. How, how, why is that? Uh, you know, it just, it's surprising. I think that, uh, they eliminated overtime altogether. Um, I honestly thought they would do, uh, a PKs, you know, at the end of, uh, I don't know. I thought it's somewhat, I think they would, I didn't think they would move to a, a draw format. I thought they'd still try to, uh, to end the game with one team being victorious. Uh, obviously, it moves it's closer to the European uh, standard of rules uh, as right. far as, you know, the base of the game goes. Uh, we still obviously don't have a running clock, but that's never going to change because, 
you know, it, it, a lot of it has to do with uh, lower levels of NCAA and not having enough money to, to pay for a fourth official. Uh, obviously, it would work easily in Division One, but not maybe in Division Three. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I it was surprising. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm mostly, uh, I'm mostly fine with it. Uh, I, I don't mind them aligning more with the European model. Um, I was kind of curious to see how it, how it would have impacted us. You know, this past season, the women didn't win on a golden goal, but they did lose once um on one their final regular season game at rhode island which i think had implications for their tournament seating um the men had a lot of overtime games this this year they were they won two of those and wound up tying three um after they went scoreless uh across overtime so that's a lot of extra minutes that they would not have had this season and then uh bk brian kunderman shared um Slew men's soccer has scored 24 golden goals since 2001. Uh, Robbie Christo, Alex Johnson, Ryan Wildman, Will John, and Vidad Ibisevic all had a program leading two golden goals in their careers. So, uh, so it, it does put an end to that era. Yeah. It, and, you, you know, funny enough, I think on the whole college soccer really like, I feel like nobody ever really tries in, in extra time. It felt like this year more than most, the Billikens actually really tried to push for a goal in overtime. Um, yeah. The, the men's team really, really did for um, this season. It, it felt like they, they were almost like at their most active in overtime. Uh, let's look at the spring schedules though. Uh, still being played under the old rules <laughs> or no <laughs> rules really. I mean, spring's kind of the wild west. Uh, we'll just run it down, run down. Um, I'll just give the women's score and then you can give the men's news. Uh, the women beat central Missouri four to one on, uh, the 19th and a four to one, uh, win at SIUE Saturday, four twenty-three. Uh, Pete, talk about the men's news. Yeah, so the men's game against Northern Illinois that was supposed to happen on Sunday the 24th was canceled. But the good news there is they added a transfer, and it sounds like a good one. Alberto Suarez from Central Arkansas. So he'll be a fifth-year player. Um, he's six foot one, center back from Zaragoza, Spain. He was named the Atlantic Sun Player of the Year uh, and Defensive Player of the Year last season. So Central Arkansas is one of those. Like as, as uh, I know a lot of people come here with a basketball mindset. might not sound like a big name. They actually are a really good soccer program and i think they're the team this season that we were supposed to play that got canceled Mm -hmm. for covid reasons and we were never able to reschedule um so kind of funny enough we were supposed to see him and didn't um but yeah so it's so it's a it's a great soccer program and this is kind of a similar move to palazzo palazzolo last season where you know they went out and got a veteran grad transfer to kind of anchor that back line uh which is you know all the more crucial this year with kip keller uh, departing early. So, so good news over there. Um, you know, I was, I went down to the, uh, the baseball game, uh, yesterday. That'll be Saturday now. And, uh, I, I accidentally walked into the ribbon cutting of the Billiken soccer legacy center. And it looked like it was more of a private event than a, uh, than a public one, but I was just kind of shocked that, it happened and we had no idea about it. 
That's us doing our unofficial form of guerrilla journalism, you know, really getting in the trenches, going where we're not supposed to go. Uh, you know, Zach stumbling into a, a, a private ribbon cutting ceremony, but uh, I'm wearing uh, yeah. a sleeveless basketball jersey. <laughs> Clearly supposed to be there, uh, but you say it looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it looks great. Uh, you know, it was yesterday was like uh, an explosion of like sensory overload. Mm. There was relay for life was at Herman and they could not have been happy that the baseball game ended up being double header yeah. uh, because I mean, that's, that's uh that's hazardous to your health being anywhere around a soccer field, not paying attention to baseball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it looks great. I didn't get to go in. Obviously I didn't even go over there. Kind of just did my own thing over by baseball, but uh yeah, no, it, it looks awesome, and and it was a nice little uh, nice little ceremony. Uh, Chris May was there, was speaking. Obviously, Pastello spoke. Uh, the soccer team, I think, a couple of soccer players spoke, and uh, uh, just very exciting. They got to tour the facility for the first time. I know there was some video out there. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I really like you know as a fan. Obviously, it's not a space that we're gonna really interact with much, but I really like what it does visually within Herman Stadium to kind of close off the end. Um, you know, you've been nice... hanging around with me for too long. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind them see, you know, doing a little more of that around the stadium, but, uh, but it does, it does look great from the outside. Um, baseball, uh, improved 18 and five, uh, on the season five and four in conference. And, uh, I had a lot of fun actually. Well, we'll get to Saturday. Uh, but, uh, Billikens dropped an 8-5 decision to Northwestern in Chicago, Pete. Which seems like a pretty respectable showing, um, yeah. you know, all things considered. When you're going up to a, a, a Big Ten school, um, you know, especially one that when we had um, uh, Coach Hendrickson on that he spoke of as like Northwestern and their stadium and, and their program. He, he keeps using that as kind of like a guideline for here's a Northern program with the facility that I like with kind of, he likes the way they do things. So I know he's got a lot of respect there and uh, yeah, their, their record by the way is 21 and 16. Now we didn't, uh, you know, update that number for the weekend. Oh uh, gosh. The weekend action, but uh, you know, regardless, I, I, you know, eight to five loss in a one-off game up in uh up in Evanston in April, I think is, is not bad. You know, they got off to kind of uh, an unfortunate start going down five, nothing in the second and then the third innings. Um, but they kind of started to chip away at it after that. Um, and it was a respectable showing, you know, Holmes took the loss and, uh, and overall, I, I just like the way they kind of hung in this one. Yeah. And, and this weekend series with Bonaventure was really nice too. It was, uh, was alumni weekend on Saturday ended up being uh, a double header due to the weather that never came through today that we were expecting. Very cool. Thanks weather people. Uh, I truly have no idea. Like there, what it's like the weather people realize that like everyone freaks out when there's a big snow. So they're just trying it with like severe thunderstorms. Now uh, it's kind of a weird phenomenon, uh, but yeah, run us down the results from this weekend. Yeah, so they they swept St. Bonaventure. 4-3 uh, win on Friday. Uh, Logan Schmidt got the win. 
Um, and then on Saturday, they, they win the doubleheader, 7-2. Trevor Harris wins the first one, 8-2. Scott Youngbrandt uh, wins the second. So after a kind of a, you know, a close one on Friday, they didn't, they didn't make it interesting at all on uh on saturday so that's uh that's great to see yeah it was it was cool to see all the alumni that came down they had a tent set up and uh, had food out for the alumni uh they also gave away some sugar cookies after it was over to a bunch of people around the stadium they were delicious i will say that um <laughs> but it was cool i got to see inside of the uh the production truck for espn plus and let me tell you it is I mean, you've seen it in the picture, but it is far from just setting up a camera, guys. Uh, this is a legit television broadcast. Uh, and, and, I mean, think of where we've come in the last 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, pretty incredible uh, to see that work uh, that work done. Uh, and, they, and they do a fantastic job at it, too. Shout out Bobby Sutherland. Um, and, and that crew, and of course, Colin Surrey, I think is his, sorry. Um, I'm sure he'll hate me for that, but, uh, <laughs> he's the announcer on there. I mean, he sat out in the sun for a doubleheader all day. I know I was burnt, uh, to a crisp still am, but, uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. Good to see, uh, Jordan Hammerman, good friend of mine from when I was at school, he played on the baseball team. Uh, so great to see him as well. Uh, Pete, what's upcoming for the Billiken baseball? So they will head to, uh, or actually they'll, they'll host Rockhurst on Tuesday, the 26th, uh, before they head down to Missouri no. state for a one-off oh, yeah. on Wednesday. And then, um, Friday through Sunday, the 29th through May, uh, of April through May 1st, they will host Davidson, um, at home. So keeping it in the state of Missouri all week. Yeah. Davidson's going to be a tough weekend. Uh, Davidson is the class of the A-10 right now in baseball. Uh, and uh, the Billikens are looking to maybe uh, show that, that they're going to contend for the title or or not. Yeah, I think that's right. Should be a, should be a pretty telling weekend for them. So. And, and those will all be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, but get down there if you haven't yet. They do have uh, concessions set up with, uh, you know, soda beer uh snacks no 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 dogs out there unfortunately that's hot dogs now you can bring your dog <laughs> um let's talk about uh softball they also played bonaventure but they made the trip up to Olean. and i gotta say man uh the parents really follow the this team there there was at least 10 to 15 parents uh behind home plate for this one yeah they do and that's great because we were just talking about espn plus and what a great job they do and i mean what what is what is that if not like the ultimate tool for parents these days right i mean yes. like think about all the niche college sports that are on that all the time and um and that's just that's like what a incredible thing to have if you're a parent today versus like even 10 years ago uh you know, not being able to ever see your kid play if they're, you know, across the country playing in college or something like that. So um, the fact that they have that, and then, I mean, yeah, the, the fact that they're traveling is just incredible, but. And it's um, only in New York. It's not an easy place to get to, as we say, what feels like every third episode or so of this show. 
Um, they played a doubleheader on on Saturday, and we'll circle back to the game they played on Monday briefly. But uh, but up in Olean, they did play a doubleheader on Saturday, and um, and and then one on Sunday, and they got the sweep. And it it was never really close. They won three three zero six one on Saturday, nine to one in a six inning game on Sunday. Just just went up there and took took care of business. Um, Chloe Wendling got that first shutout. Um, and then on, on Saturday, Taylor Hockman got a complete game win. Um, you know, everybody was, was great up there, but, uh, but like you say, you know, maybe, maybe St. Bonaventure isn't the best measuring stick. Uh, no, uh, but I tell you what is a decent measuring stick. And that is, uh, Louisiana, the raging Cajuns, uh, a very, very good softball team. And unfortunately the Billikens, uh, uh, had to go up against them on Monday, and they uh, they dropped a nineteen nothing decision. Uh, I mean, look, uh, this is a team that's beaten ranked teams. Uh, it's going to be an NCAA tournament team, maybe a college World Series, uh, women's college World Series dark horse. Uh, but it's good to get that. You know, you got a team that kicks your ass, but you're going to go to, to Bonaventure team, you know, you're going to kick their ass. So it's nice. There's a couple factors here. One of them is Louisiana just being a really good non-major conference uh, softball program. You know, they just are They're They're 32 in the net. They're just outside the top 25 when you look at the coaches rankings. So this is for all intents and purposes, this is a ranked team, a ranked tier team. The other factor here is if you've got an ace pitcher, um it's 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 just really hard (laughs) to uh to to i don't know to beat that pitcher in softball right uh she came in in five innings and allowed one hit 13 strikeouts um in in five innings and that's uh that's just i don't know 16 batters faced and you strike out all but three of them um and uh and only put two two three sorry three balls in play um you know SLU held their own defensively over the first few innings. Um, Louisiana had uh, two in the first, two in the second, and then things just opened up in the fourth and fifth innings. So, um, you know, SLU gets a little credit for kind of hanging tough in the beginning there. But when you're going up against a pitcher like that and then um, a a team like this, uh, you just want a respectable showing. Um, It it shows the stark contrast, though, between a program like Louisiana, a program like the Billikens, and then Bonaventure, who, who, St. Bonaventure, nobody cares less about bat and ball sports than St. Bonaventure. Uh, Baseball hasn't been above 500 since 2017, and softball's been bad for at least a decade. Having been up to Bonaventure for a game and uh, kind of seeing the area up there. I just, I cannot imagine. I mean, we like, we've talked to our SLU's coaches about how tough it is when you're playing in a place that has a real winter. Um, I, I, I can't imagine up at Bonaventure. I mean, the, the spring is so short up there um, between the time that, that you actually have some decent weather and the time that classes are done. It's just, it's no time at all. Um, so I, I can certainly understand that. I, I don't know. I almost look at those sports and, and I'm like, why, why don't you just, I like, I know you've got some scholarships to use and whatnot. Why don't you field other sports? Like, why are you even bothering with these two? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, 
it's yeah it's 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 rough and i mean you know hendo was talking about how insane the weather has been down here mm-hmm. so i mean i can't even imagine i imagine he would shudder at the idea of trying to coach an olean uh an outdoor you know a spring sport Ugh, yeah uh billikens uh the upcoming slate we got mizzou and george washington yeah, the Mizzou game was rescheduled from the 20th. That'll be played on the 27th. And then the weekend series, the 30th through the 1st, um, will be at George Washington. Um, just running through men's tennis real quick. Finished the regular season 8-12 and 12 after a 4-2 win, or a 4-2 win over Northern Illinois on Monday. Uh, that was the 18th of April. Swept the doubles competition to win the point and then won the first three of six singles matches. Uh, grabbing one in the back half to seal the win. Oscar Alvarez, Ryota Fukushima, Theo Ortiz, and Pavel Badians all won singles matches. The A-10 championships will be at the end of the month in Orlando. Pete, what happened in women's on the women's side? Yeah, the women's played. They, they, they played an exhibition on uh, Monday the 18th at Lindenwood, kind of a final tune-up between the regular season and the A-10 championships. Um, at the end of the month in Orlando. So they finished the regular season with a 12 and 12 and seven record. So a uh, pretty nice season for them. Uh, tell us uh, where, where we were in track and field. Yeah. Um, Kentucky invitational four, two through four twenty three. Uh, the women accomplished four PBs. Uh, the men got 15 PBs. Um, and uh, Toby Gillen, uh, made the all-conference indoor team along with Katie Wissing, uh, who was all-academic for the second straight season. Uh, next up is is kind of a famous race in on the college scene. Uh, the Drake Relays on 428 through 430. It's the final regular season event before the A-10 Conference Championships. Yeah, um, Drake relays are a, are, are a big deal in the track world, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do there. Um, you know, like like Zach said, there's a lot of personal records that they set down in Kentucky. Um, if you want to get more detail on those, be sure and follow our guy uh, John Bell mm-hmm. on Twitter. So look at uh, his his handles J Bell thirty, and then uh, you know if not, just go to SLU's official website. They, it's pretty impressive how many personal bests uh, were broken down there. Yeah. Uh, well, that that wraps up an insane week that was in Billiken Athletics. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, uh, Midtown Mad Pod at Peter is a tweeter, all lowercase except for the P. Uh, I've been advised that that's the case. Uh, at Zach Miller MMP on Twitter. We're now on Instagram too at the same handle, Midtown Mad Pod. So give us a follow there. We also appreciate any and all suggestions you might have for the show. Go subscribe to the show on all platforms. And if you haven't left a review, please do so. Make sure it's five stars. And then drop a little constructive criticism if you feel like it. Uh, As always, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills.